The thing I want to talk about just briefly is uh, influence of Calvin uh, primarily on um, discipline of apologetics or defense of the Christian faith, um, but also just to begin with uh, influence of Calvin in my own thinking. I guess the thing that comes to mind primarily is when I was in uh, pastoral ministry and people were asking various questions about theology and uh, certain things that they'd want to know about, I would always encourage them to, uh, first to turn to Calvin's uh, institutes. And um, typically people in the pews are a little reluctant to do that because they think uh, uh, because of its depth that it's not going to be something that they can grasp easily. But invariably what people found is the minute you get into the institute, you find out that Calvin is a pastor writing for the church. So I think the important uh, point to note in Calvin's writings uh, is that he is wanting to minister to people in the church. And that, I think, has significant influence. It's one of the reasons why uh, Calvin's writings, in particular the Institutes, have been influential in the history of the church. The, um, the area that I teach in apologetics, I would say the relationship of Calvin's views there stand out in at least three ways, if I can uh, set them out this way. First of all, in the structure of Calvin's thought and the way that he begins the Institutes, and he did this in every... Uh, mutation of the Institutes that was written, and it's, it's, it's the clearest in his, his latest, uh, his last uh, 1559 edition, where he articulates the fact that in knowing God, you know yourself. In knowing yourself, you know God. Now, that seems uh, maybe elementary, and it is elementary in some ways, but the uh, application of that principle that if you know God truly in terms of who he is, then you know him as, for example, holy, and you immediately know yourself as not holy, and that you stand before God as a stained sinner, sinner that needs redemption. Uh, you don't know yourself truly unless you see yourself as one who is in the presence of God. And so, I talk about this in terms of a covenantal understanding of humanity, that we are people who are always and everywhere in the presence of God and responsible to God uh, because in his presence, and that we will always for eternity be in his presence in this life and in the next. That has to do with the way in which we know ourselves and the way in which we know God. So Calvin even says, you know, he's not sure exactly which one comes first, and that's not the important point, but the point is once you have one of those, knowledge of self, you have the other, knowledge of God. Once you have knowledge of God, you understand something more about yourself. As Van Til likes to say, that's a radical point, especially in the history of philosophy. You think about Descartes' view. What, what did Descartes want to know? He wanted to know one thing for certain, and what was it? It was all about himself. Cogito ergo sum. I think, therefore I am. And as uh, uh, critics of uh, Cartesian thought have pointed out uh, endlessly, that has a sort of circularity to it that you, you can't get out of. So that's the first principle. Um, what we call the creator-creature distinction. That is, in knowing yourself, you know God, and know God, knowing God, you know yourself. Second thing that Calvin emphasized, important for apologetics, is what we call the sensus divinitatis, the sense of divinity, or, to put it in, in biblical terms, the knowledge of God that all people have. Calvin was a master at this. I think this is one of those areas where he is radical. It's not that things like this hadn't been said previously in the history of the church, but because Calvin is following Paul, and I think the argument is, is made and is convincing that in, at least in terms of the structure of the institutes, 
the topics that he chooses are topics that come directly from Romans. So Calvin is following Paul in his discussion, Paul's discussion in Romans 1, that people do invariably and inevitably know God. Why? Because God makes himself known to them. Not because they reason themselves to it. They don't have the ability to do that and, and produce a true theology. But because God makes himself known. He reveals himself so that every person with whom we come into contact is a person who knows God. Now, as Paul says, what do they do with that knowledge? They suppress it in unrighteousness. And Calvin, again, goes through some of the ways in which you can see that suppression. But the suppression of the truth presupposes the truth is known. You have to have it to suppress it. So here we are with people who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. How then do we articulate the, the Christian faith in that context? How do we defend Christianity to people who know God but suppress that knowledge? That's a whole different uh, avenue of approach than how we defend general theism with people who are fundamentally ignorant of God. That's not the way the Bible approaches it, not the way we can approach apologetics. Those two things, creator-creature distinction, sense of divinity or knowledge of God. The last thing I think uh, Calvin uh, helps us understand, important point, is a self-attestation of Scripture. Uh, fundamental to apologetics, fundamental, for example, to the Westminster Confession of Faith. You think of chapter 1, section 4. Uh, the authority of Scripture is to be believed, as the Confession says, because it is the Word of God. And while there are arguments, as, as the Confession says in section 5, and Calvin goes on to articulate some of these arguments that you can use to show that authority and to show the nature of Scripture, uh, important arguments, the point of the fact is that the authority resides in the Word itself. And Calvin's point is, just like sweet things do, uh, sweetness resides in the sweet thing, uh, blackness resides in the black thing, so also authority resides in the Word of God. Then you take that word, once you articulate the principle and truth of that word, what you're articulating then is the authority of God with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's going to radically change your apologetic approach. So there's much more that can be, can be said, but at least those three things, I think, are important for a biblical understanding, a reformed understanding of apologetics.